Welcome to the Nancoverse podcast where we discuss what's happening in this crazy universe of ours through my lens and my mic. Today is the 5th of February 2022 and I wanted to just get this uh, template sorted because I want my listeners to know what date it is. Sometimes this is the most important thing to know. Like you wake up in the morning and somebody asks you what the date is and if you don't have a watch that tells you what the date is or you don't have a calendar like me it is so easy to lose track of time and then you start to question your entire life it's such an existential question what is the date today man like especially if like somebody older asks you this question like say your grandparents ask you hey what's the date and then you have this uh, moment of shame because you're just so lost in your own bloody world that you don't even know what the damn date is so <laughs> today is the 5th of february and i hope everyone is having a good life Hydration is important, breathing is important. Wake up in the morning and don't touch your phone and let's get on with today. Winter chill. I am uh, making this podcast out of Delhi and it is so damn cold here. It is so damn cold. I really feel for you if your girlfriend is or your partner is asking you for uh, you know sexy pictures because it is so hard to be without clothes. even if a little bit of a flesh is exposed it is so hard to just feel the warmth because there is none and with all the cloud cover sometimes uh, there is no sun and we're just walking around like zombies and i did not want to take this podcast on a weird tangent to begin with but yeah sometimes that's what you got to do and uh, i really really hope that people are smiling more often because i ended the last podcast by saying I hope we keep smiling more and more and more. A smile is a symbol to the universe. A si- a smile is a sign to the universe that you're doing okay and it's a sign to the loved ones around you that things are going to be fine and I am doing okay and a little bit of optimism is all we need sometimes, you know, especially when we have a country like China above our heads. As you guys might have heard China has uh, started the winter olympics in their country and there are a lot of protests are happening across the world I don't know if in China do people in China even protest Z Jinping man that guy has a hold of his country because even if there are protests happening in China you will never hear about them uh, the Uyghur Uyghur Muslims I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correct Uyghur Muslims um like you know back in the day when hitler was the chancellor of germany and he was prosecuting all the jews in the concentration camps um people wanted i don't know if people were protesting against that but uh, a very similar situation is happening in china where the uyghur muslims are being put in the concentration camps and they're being prosecuted and culturally culturally washed away because they know they don't uh, subscribe to the hegemonic society of china which is uh, i'm not i'm forgetting uh yan chinese some chinese i have to do more research on this but the winter olympics have started in china and uh, the indian contingent which uh, has only one guy actually from J- uh, jammu and kashmir uh, he's a skier his name is arif khan arif khan i want to wish you all the luck and i really really hope that you do well you do not have to win a medal man because you know we put too much pressure on our athletes and uh, most of us don't end up doing that well 
but I really, really hope that you do well, Arif Khan. He is literally the lone competitor from our contingent. So a big shout out to Arif Khan and uh, the skier Arif Khan from Jammu and Kashmir. I hope you do well. And there's a beautiful picture of him in the Indian Express uh, holding the Indian flag uh, behind the five rings of the Olympics. And uh, that was at the opening of the Beijing Olympic, Beijing Winter Olympics on Friday. India happens to be diplomatically boycotting the event, uh, diplomatically boycotting the opening and the closing ceremonies over China's torchbearer pick, who happens to be a soldier involved in the Galwan incident. First, China puts a puts the entire world through turmoil because of uh, the coronavirus pandemic, and then they go and kill our soldiers in Galwan, and then for the Winter Olympics they give the torch to be bared by a soldier that was involved uh, involved in the Galwan incident. Um, it's a it's a shame. It is tragic, and it is so difficult for uh, the Chinese to understand because Chinese don't really understand man they're doing well for themselves at least economically speaking and uh, we really don't know what the trajectory of the world is there's a lot of like conflict going around Ukraine and Russia and United States is getting involved just yesterday uh, United States sent about 3,500 soldiers to Romania which happens to be very close to Ukraine so the world might be headed towards another war or if it's not really going on right now a lot of people you know when when you say oh the third world war is gonna happen man some people come up and say bro don't you know it's already happening and you really don't know what to make of that because now we have the nuclear weapons as well so are we gonna drop nuclear weapons on each other is the war going on or is it gonna start who the hell knows but i really really hope and pray that uh, the Chinese get their act together and India has diplomatically boycotted the event but they have still sent an athlete uh, the only guy we don't really do winter sports in India man the, uh, yeah winter sports are not really our thing actually sports is not really our thing but winter sports in particular not our thing um, yeah that's why we only have one guy and I hope he does well Arif Khan I'm rooting for you So I want to kick the kick start. <laughs> so I want to kick start the podcast with some city news uh, about Delhi, and uh, this is actually quite ground shaking, uh, especially for people who are involved in the event and people who are getting affected by not being paid for their work. Man, imagine being a doctor, imagine being a sanitation worker, and not being paid since October of last year. And this, uh, you hear a lot uh, happening in our country that, you know, our workers are not being paid. So it's like, where is the money going? And why are these people even, you know, okay with it? Actually, they're not. That's why they were striking. And uh, the headline reads, 100 doctors of East MCD, which is the Municipal Corporation of Delhi, hospital uh, hospital fired for strike over salary delay. Imagine being a worker and not being paid for your work. I mean, the last thing you would do is go on a strike, right? And these guys went on a strike and now they are, uh, you know, they're they're fired. So around 100 senior and junior resident doctors from East Delhi Municipal Corporation run Swami Dayanand Hospital have been considered terminated 
for striking work to demand the payment of backlog salaries hey they're like just pay pay me man pay in full but yeah they've been terminated that's very sad all other all other contractual doctors of dnb residents junior doctors who work as residents while studying for their specialization have been marked absent for 3 days that the hospital has been on a complete shutdown wow all seniors and juniors of your departments will be considered terminated from uh, 4th of feb and fresh interviews will be conducted accordingly says the circular issued by the hospital's medical superintendent Dr Mohammad Qasim secretary resident doctors association of hospital said the order states that if we do not report to work today we will be considered terminated we did not report to work there has been no fresh interview call but the order has also not been withdrawn he said the doctors were assured the salary for one month only and a general body meeting will be held tonight for or tomorrow morning to decide whether the strike will continue or not all workers in the hospital including nurses sanitation workers along with doctors haven't received salaries since october this is so sad man like imagine putting in so much hard work throughout the pandemic and not getting paid your salaries how else is one supposed to function in this capitalist society of ours if you don't have any money your partners are going to leave you your family is going to curse you you're not going to be able to buy anything from zomato if you have no money man and no pay no work is a strike that uh, the doctors and sanitation workers went on and now they they're being asked to go away because uh, in india you have plenty of people taking up jobs which you never get paid for which is so weird we have been writing to the administration partially some of us were staying away from work in the beginning of january after which the salary for the month of october was released for all of us but the salary for 3 months is still pending and even senior doctors have joined the strike now however the administration is looking for the weakest links and singling them out to punish them for the strike weakest links are always this is very sad emergency services at the hospital have stopped and patients are being referred to the delhi government run guru tegh bahadur hospital nearby medical superintendent dr rajni khedwal however said The move was taken since many of the resident doctors who are protesting aren't even owed aren't, aren't even owed salaries. Hmm, here's a twist. We conduct fresh interviews each month to hire resident doctors for a contractual 44 days and their services are thereafter extended if they want to stay based on reports of their work from the HODs, head of departments I guess. Yeah. Many doctors who are striking work who are striking work haven't completed one month of their service and aren't owed salaries i know a few who joined services only 5 days back if they rejoin work i can at least run the emergency services although some resident doctors may be new the order does not target just them it covers all the resident doctors even those who have been working since before october Staff at North and East MCD run hospitals have gone on a strike several times in the past over delayed salaries. Man, the system needs to be overhauled and looked at really uh, efficiently because uh, patients suffer. Patients suffer because of a misunderstanding between doctors and them not being paid or them not even being owed salaries. I mean, if I studied for five years, the least I would expect is money. And money is not being given, so 
I don't know what's really happening, but I hope they get it together. But this next news item is something that I feel very personally about as well because I had a family member, very close family member, who had a uh, cancer and they had to get treatment. This is pre pre COVID, but now because of the COVID pandemic, a lot of cancer patients are uh, having a lot of trouble because of dip in surgeries, delayed diagnosis, treatments are not happening at the pace that they need to happen, and. Uh, because of this pandemic, a lot of patients who have very serious morbidities are not being looked after and uh, I really hope there is a solution to this problem. But I would like to read this article uh, written by Anona Dutt. Anona Dutt, yes. Um, two years of the pandemic have severely hampered cancer, cancer treatment. I can only imagine, man. This, uh, my heart really cries for people who are... Uh, who are cancer patients during this pandemic. Um, I really pray and hope that they get better. But getting back to the article. Two years of the pandemic have severely hampered cancer treatment, resulting in a delay in seeking care and diagnosis. Surgery is being pushed back and patients discontinuing treatment, said experts this World Cancer Day. Oh, today is World Cancer Day. Quote, when there is a surge and related lockdowns or hospital closures for other treatments, patients who have already been diagnosed and are under treatment falter, miss schedules and sometimes completely give up treatment. We have seen that compliance falls in such situations. Then there are patients who have symptoms but do not or cannot seek timely care. By the time they're diagnosed, they are diagnosed, they are at advanced stages of cancer and the prognosis is poorer, said Dr. Prashant Mathur, director of ICMR's National Center for Disease Informatics and Research. The data for National Cancer Registry is collected and reported by the institution, by the institute. They have collected data on the impact of the pandemic on cancer care over the two years, which is currently being analyzed, Dr. Mathur said. Nowadays, telemedicine is picking up and that is benefiting people. Telemedicine, there are efforts being made by hospitals to reach out to patients. Patients from one part of the country do not have to travel just to seek care. They can go to a nearby center and a specialist consultation can be sought through telemedicine so that there is no delay, he said. However, repeated closures of services have resulted in fewer surgeries and patients coming back with their disease having pro progressed even at a premier institute such as the AIMS. There was a 12% to 50% reduction in the number of cancer surgeries performed for different cancer sites at AIMS in 2020 as compared to 2019, as per hospital data. Just because there was a reduction in surgeries doesn't mean that there was a reduction in the need for having surgeries, which is extremely sad. Imagine not getting the surgery you need because of whatever circumstances. Quote, when those who were supposed to undergo the surgery aren't able to due to COVID-19 situation, we try to manage them with metronomic therapy. Metronomic therapy a new type of is a new type of chemotherapy where lower doses are given orally, repeatedly, over a long period. In around 40% patients, despite being given the metronomic therapy, the disease progressed, said Dr. M.D. Ray, professor of oncology at Ames. Even though there are always cues for surgeries, 
the doctors before the pandemic prioritized those who needed surgeries urgently so such situations did not arise he said dr abhishek shankar an alumnus of the same institute and currently an associate professor at aims patna said that there are as many as 1 lakh cancer patients who remained undiagnosed every month during the pandemic 1 lakh cancer patients who remained undiagnosed every month this is so hard hitting and such anyway the theme for this year's cancer day is close the care gap however the pandemic has only resulted in an increase of this gap with people facing job loss wage loss and decline in their incomes the disparity in cancer care has gone up and when there is a difference in access there will be worse outcomes plus 90% of cancer treatment centers in the country are in urban areas while 75% of the country lives in rural areas people have to go to cities for treatment and for that they need resources it is also difficult to do this when there are strict restrictions in place because of the pandemic just yesterday i was reading an article about the coal transportation happening in villages in orissa and how there are like 400 trucks passing every day through uh, through their village and people are having respiratory problems and all kinds of health outcomes and these are villages where people are facing the brunt of the need for development of our country the need for electricity production and this statistic completely blows my mind away when it says that 90% of tre- cancer treatment centers in the country are in urban areas while 75% of the country lives in rural areas so 75 out of 100 people live in rural areas but 90 out of 100 cancer treatment centers are in urban areas this the people who are facing the brunt of our need for development where all the production happens where the transportation happens where their pristine nature is being destroyed because of our need for resources those same people have to then move and pack and they don't make the same amount of money nobody can cons- convince me otherwise people in rural areas do not make the same amount of money i mean yes the people are going to hear this and be like no man you don't know farmers make so much more money yes i understand but i'm talking about majority of the indians that we never hear of the poorer sections of our society the dalits the people who are not making a lot of money and not just dalits but like people from all across all spectrums who live in rural areas and are going through uh, morbidities like cancer they're not able to receive the care they need because most of the centers are concentrated in the urban areas where most of the money is it is extremely disheartening to hear this and i really really hope that if my voice can make a difference and if somebody can listen to this i do not know how to address this situation and this is so personal to me because i've had a i've had a i've lost a family member to cancer so i can understand when people do not receive the care that they need even though my family member they receive the care that they need it is such a it is such a hard hitting disease and anybody who has a family member who is or a friend who is going through a situation like this would completely understand what i'm saying that cancer pa- patients need a lot of care they need understanding and they need medical care most importantly and i cannot even imagine not having that as a caregiver or as a patient so i really hope that we have uh, put behind the gap the 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 i hope that this theme of this year's cancer day 
close the care gap is met and this gap is reduced and people who need the care get the care that they need and deserve this is my this is my prayer out into the universe all right so moving on to the next piece of news that we have is uh, from a state called uttar pradesh which is uh, usually known for really bad news of crime and i mean let's be honest uttar pradesh has a very bad reputation in general wherever you go throughout the country uh, when whenever people talk about uttar pradesh people just uh, talk about how weird it is and how people are uh, there's a lot of crime against women and crime in general and everybody has watched mirzapur but uh, this is a very very interesting news that's come out of uh, uttar pradesh which has become the which has become the center for ethanol production and it has taken over maharashtra as the top sugarcane producer but the good news is that sugarcane is also a very good uh, source for ethanol and ethanol can be a solution for the carbon neutrality that the world is kind of working towards so yeah the, the it's an this is an editorial written by harish damodaran harish damodaran who is uh, the writer in the writer is a national rural affairs and agriculture editor of the indian express and senior fellow center for policy research um and the headline goes making of ganna pradesh <laughs> really nice okay here we go success stories are those that have definite durable and widespread impact uttar pradesh's sugarcane industry qualifies as one on all counts the state has overtaken maharashtra to be india's top sugarcane producer in the last 5 seasons from 2016-17 till today it has also become the largest ethanol producer and the only state to achieve 10% blending in petrol in 2020-21 one year ahead of the target for all india these are not overnight accomplishments every every regime over the last two decades has built on the work of its predecessors generating a cumulative and durable impact till 2003-4 up's sugar mill sugar mills together could crush barely 400000 tons of cane per day the samajwadi party government's sugar industry promotion policy of 2004 induced large investments both in new mills and brownfield expansions by 2006-7 aggregate crushing capacity had crossed 700000 tcd uh what is tcd i'll have to get on that anyway the state's 120 sugar factories today have a combined crushing capacity of 707 million how do you say 787275 tcd <laughs> much of it coming up during mulayam singh yadav's term from late 2003 to mid 2007 what mulayam mulayam's sp did for sugar the present bjp administration under yogi adityanath has done in ethanol between 2016-17 and 2021 up's ethanol output has more than doubled from 43.25 crores to 107.21 crore liters that's amazing and is projected at 160 crore liters this year the number of distilleries too has risen from 44 to 75 Mayawati's BSP government from 2007 till 2012 can take credit for cumulatively hiking cane prices by rupees 120 per quintal as against 65 and 35 by the succeeding Akhilesh Yadav led SP and Adityanath dispensation and also ensuring timely payments to farmers in sum UP's sugarcane success story is a product of effort of all three ruling regimes
As for widespread impact, sugarcane is cultivated on about 2.5 million hectares in UP. That's a lot of hectares. 2.5 million hectares in UP. The whole of North Northern UP is a Ganna Pradesh. The that includes the district in northwest from Saharanpur to Moradabad down to Bulandshahar and Badaun. North Central, Rampur, Bareilly, Shahjahanpur, Hardoi, right up to Lakhimpur Kheri, Sitapur. And northeast, Bareish, Gonda, Ayodhya till Kushinagar Deoria, UP. Cane is grown mostly in the upper Doabs, the lands between states' southern flowing rivers. The northwest Ganna Belt, West UP, covers the riverine plains between Yamuna, Ganga, and Ram Ganga. The north central Doab between Ram Ganga, Gomti, and Sharda, Ghagra, and northeast between Sharda, Ghagra, Rapti, and Gandak, extending to Bihar. The impact of sugarcane isn't only geographic. Taking an average one hectare land holding, UP would have 2.5 million cane farmer families. The state produces 200 million tons plus of cane annually. 200 million tons plus of cane. That's a lot of tons of cane, dude. A single laborer can harvest one ton daily at best. Assuming 150 workdays during the crushing season from November to April, harvesting will engage nearly 1.5 million laborers. Another half a million would be employed in the mills, distilleries, gourd making, and transport of cane, sugar, molasses, and alcohol. All in all, some 4.5 million families in UP are directly dependent on sugarcane. Inclusive of their members, they add up to 20 million persons. One in every 12 out of UP's total estimated 240 million population. That has an exclamation mark behind it. UP has a population of 240 million. Oh my god, that's insane. Uh, the creation of new milling and distillery capacities isn't the sole factor, though for Ganna Pradesh's transformation. No less important has been CO0238, the blockbuster cane variety. Nice, CO0238. The blockbuster cane variety bred by Bakshiram from virtually zero till 2012-13, it now accounts for over 85% of UP's cane area. CO0238 has boosted both average ganna yields and sugar to cane recovery in the state. From 60 tons per hectare and 9.25% to 80 tons and 11.5% respectively. Yet, Ganna has suffered bad press because of its apparently high water requirement. I was going to come to that. Uh, Ganna requires a lot of high water. Uh, Ganna requires a lot of water to produce. Roughly twice that of paddy and four times of wheat. Wow. This analysis ignores the fact that sugarcane is grown over uh, 11 to 12 months, compared to 4 to 5 months for the latter crops. Further, the worst Ganna grower harvests 40 tons per hectare whereas the best wheat and paddy, paddy farmers' yields are 7 to 9 tons. Sugarcane consumes less water per day and even less for every unit of biomass produced. Interesting. It, its green top leaves, moreover, fill the fodder needs of animals through the winter and spring months. Its green top leaves, moreover, fill the fodder needs of animals through the winter and spring months. Proponents of the water guzzler theory may not may also not know that cane contains around 70% water, 15% sugar, and 5% fiber. Sugar mills require no supply of external power or water. The bagasse fiber used as boiler fuel 
and the water that is heated to produce steam are both present in the cane itself. Wow. Also, hardly two-fifths of this resultant electricity generated is consumed by the mill. The rest is exportable power. A fifth of the water in cane is similarly rendered surplus. Even after use for steam generation and processing in the mill. While water guzzling concerns are valid for sugarcane in Marathwada or Vidarbha, these do not apply to Uttar Pradesh. The lands between its confluent rivers have extremely fertile alluvial soils and no dearth of water. Augmented by a network of canals, the eastern Yamuna and upper Ganga canal irrigated the northwest districts. The Sharda canal in north central and recently inaugurated Saryu canal project of northeast UP. Mother Nature has already made Ganna highly efficient at carbon sequestration and a prolific biomass producer. And with its abundant water resources, there is no state better poised to realize the full potential of this champion crop. The next government in UP should look at how to make sugarcane part of the circular economy, wherein it gives back to nature what it takes. For farmers, Ganna is both a cash and a fodder crop. For mills, it is an energy crop producing sugar, ethanol and power. Many of them are also treating their surplus water for irrigation purposes, besides supplying press mud. Press mud, very interesting. I wonder what that means. Um, many of them are also treating their surplus water. Many of them are also treating their surplus. Surplus. Many of them are also treating the surplus water for irrigation purposes, besides supplying press mud. What is press mud? Does anybody know this? Press mud? Press mud. Press mud is the compressed sugar industry waste produced during filtration of cane juice. Press mud has a lot of applications like fertilizers for extraction of chemicals as bioabsorbent, animal feed and in manufacture of cement. Damn nice. Press mud. Many of them are also treating their surplus water for irrigation purposes besides supplying press mud. The residual cake after clarification and filtration of cane juice for use as compost fertilizer. More recent initiatives involve use of press mud as a feedstock for producing bio CNG and recovering of potash from distillery effluent after burning incineration boilers. For a country importing the bulk of its natural gas and potassic fertilizer requirement, this isn't a small thing. Indeed, there's a lot of there's a lot that the government taking charge after March 10 can do for Ganna. UP can take the lead in enforcing 12% and 15% ethanol blending in petrol, for which mass emission standards have already been notified. Mills should be paid on time for the renewable electricity they are supplying to the UP Power Corporation. Such dues now stand at over 300 crores, even touching 1,500 crores at times. Damn. But last but not least is the need for transparent cane pricing. This should be formula-based, linked to mills, realization from sugar and all byproducts, and, and any price above that paid from the state budget. With forward-looking government policy, Uttar Pradesh can be better than, can better Brazil. Wow. Actually, if you look at the population of Brazil, Brazil population... Brazil's population is 21.26 crores. 21.26 crores is crores in 
million is um, I don't even know but I'm oh 216 million so <laughs> uh, the population of Uttar Pradesh is uh, more than the population of Brazil so I think when it comes to competition UP is already winning at least in the population sphere but this was an extremely interesting article when it comes to production of uh, sugarcane and I think I was one of the people who was thinking that uh, sugarcane is a water guzzler you know that it requires a lot of water to produce uh, you know, it takes a lot of water to grow. Yeah, I was definitely one of the water guzzler theory people. And I thought like, there's no pride in having India being one of the top producers of sugarcane because of the amount of water it needs, you know. We have a depleting water table situation in many parts of the country. But after reading this, I kind of feel like, damn man, uh, sugarcane has a lot of good things going on for itself. Uh, you know, especially uh, this fact that it says that 70% water, uh, sugarcane contains 70% water, 15% sugar and 15% fiber. And sugar, sugar mills require no supply of external power or water. I don't know how true this is, but uh, you know, sometimes you have to take it for what it is. Sugar mills require no supply of external power or water. The bagasse fiber used as boiler fuel and the water that is heated to produce steam are both present in the cane itself. This is very interesting. Uh, bagasse, I pulled this up. Bagasse is the dry pulpy fibrous material that remains after crushing sugarcane or sorghum stalks to extract their juice. It is used as a biofuel for the production of heat, energy and electricity and in the manufacture of pulp and building materials. Very, very interesting. Sugarcane, sugarcane for the win and uh, well done Uttar Pradesh. It's nice to hear a good uh, piece of news coming from a state which is so populous and so huge. And I think Uttar Pradesh should be considered a, considered a country in itself, man. Like with 240 million people and the size and the amount of rivers and its diversity. It's got a lot of nice food as well. Yeah, there's a lot going on in Uttar Pradesh. Sometimes I feel like, you know, I really want to travel across Uttar Pradesh, you know, see it for what it is and hopefully come out alive. <laughs> yeah, but I want to end this podcast with uh, what I started it with, which was the Beijing Olympics, uh, Winter Olympics and what that country is doing by fielding the torchbearer as, the, as one of the PLA soldiers from the Galwan incident which i think is extremely shameful because you know we all we all do this kind of thing in our own countries you know this chest beating nationalistic approach and china is taking that to another whole new level and i feel like it's a good move by by uh, the indian diplomatic team to boycott the the event and i think we need to say no more often um yeah saying no as india talks to china it must be prepared to lay down the red lines sometimes it's so important to lay down these red lines you know because without laying down the red lines it um, you know we'll just be a pushover being a pushover is not a good thing especially in diplomacy india's decision to boycott the opening and closing ceremonies of the beijing winter games was the right response to an unseemly pro pro to an unseemly provocation by china fielding a people's liberation army soldier who was involved in the August 2020 Galwan clash in which India lost 20 of its brave soldiers 
the galwan clash where india lost 20 of its brave soldiers my salute to them as an olympic torch bearer was a was a deliberate finger in delhi's eye resort to this low tactic after india readily lent its support to the games at a russia china india foreign ministers meet just 2 months ago this has always happened with india china relationships india always supports everything that china does and china just pokes an eye into india's uh, india's good will you know this is really weird um yeah february f- february 4th uh, winter games are being held in an atmosphere of unprecedented tensions across the world underlying the decision last year to add together to faster higher and stronger to the motor of the to the motto of the olympic games is the world's aspiration for peaceful coexistence though the event itself is is never free of international real politics as host china had the extraordinary opportunity to rise above the unpleasantness and reiterate a message of peace to the world especially to those nations nations in its neighborhood which with which it has territorial problems that it attempts to resolve unilaterally by the use of military force which they did in the galwan uh, conflict but the pla torch bearer episode has done the opposite even if even if meant even if uh, beijing was dealing with domestic compulsions arising out of a belated acknowledgement of the casualties on its side India is now the 10th country to announce a diplomatic boycott which means that it will send no official delegation or diplomatic representative to the games the boycott does not extend to the sporting events at the game but it has the boycott does not extend to the sporting events at the games but it has marred president xi jinping's efforts to tell the world that the covid pandemic has not affected china's ability to put up a perfect show Though not of Delhi's making, the boycott is certain to add to the tensions between the two countries. While Delhi is engaged in military-level talks with the PLA for disengagement and de-escalation in eastern Ladakh, whatever little progress has been made has been offset by the massive Chinese build-up of infrastructure and war-like preparations on its side, particularly in areas opposite the strategic Depsang Plains, where Indian soldiers have. have been stopped from patrolling up to the indian claim line since april 2020 army chief general mm narwane has acknowledged that disputed borders with nuclear neighbors coupled with state sponsored sponsored proxy war was stretching the country's security resources and apparatus the government's work is clearly cut out as india talks to china it must be prepared to lay down the red lines in this difficult relationship as it has done with the games boycott preparing to lay down the red lines in a difficult relationship it is so important not just in international diplomacy but also in our day to day relationships we need to know when to say no and it is so important to respect your own boundaries and some of the red lines that you would not cross in a relationship what india and china are going through is one of the most important strategic um strategic miscalculations that has been done by china to make sure that you know india is provoked 
and India has India is a 2 trillion somewhere around 2.5 trillion dollar economy and China is heading towards uh, heading towards being the largest economy in the world so there is definitely a discrepancy when it comes to the the might of the two nations and a lot of it has to do with the fact that China is an economic superpower and a manufacturing hub of the world so they have a big say in how the world works and uh, the supply chain of the world however the kind of the kind of atmosphere that is being created by them is extremely disappointing and you know undiplomatic to say the least because they do not the the way they are treating the countries around them you know if you if you if you look at the south side south china sea conflict they have a conflict with every nation around them philippines malaysia vietnam tai taiwan india i mean the only country that they're doing well probably is with russia but even i t- spoke to some russian people as well and they they're telling us about how like people uh, the, the chinese are building up infrastructure on the russian border even though russia and china are kind of colluding in this entire situation and uh, russia has given uh, sorry china has given support to russia in this entire ukraine episode but damn man we really don't know where the world is headed united states is kind of losing its edge as the leader quote unquote leader of the uh, free world and uh, europe has its own problem an aging population russia is uh, trying to annex into ukraine ukraine is a little country that <laughs> doesn't really have much going on for itself and the economy is tanking and china china being china is just doing what china does which is giving the torch bearer to a soldier who was involved in the galwan clashes the galwan clash uh, was uh, such a such a heart heartbreaking skirmish it happened somewhere around 5th of may 2020 yeah 5th of may 2020 when chinese and indian troops engaged in aggressive melee face offs and skirmish at the locations along the sino sino indo border including near the disputed pangong lake in ladakh and the tibet autonomous region near the border between sikkim and tibet and uh, yeah some people say that china suffered more casualties in galwan and some people say india suffered more uh, casualties but it's a known fact that china is known to be extremely aggressive and they will do anything it takes to take over and take charge and uh, india is unfortunately surrounded by really hostile neighbors like pakistan and china that are colluding in this weird proxy aggressive war which is taking up so many resources of a country that has billions of people like more than a billion people to take care of so i really hope that you know we find solutions to these disputes and countries move forward in a more more humanistic way rather than you know trying to prove, prove a point on the international stage at all times and uh, yeah this is where we can end this episode of the nancoverse podcast i would want to thank everyone for listening in whoever's listened to this point and uh, if you have any suggestions any ideas and uh, other if there are any people that you would want me to interview please uh, uh, hit hit me up uh, on instagram at nancoverse my name is namandatta n a m a n d a t t a and uh, you can also uh, 
you know hit a comment on the youtube comment section and uh, please do subscribe to the channel as well hit the subscribe button don't be shy do it do not not do it don't be lazy just press the freaking subscribe button do it and i want to wish everyone good health keep smiling stay hydrated and uh, yeah you can find us on spotify as well i'll be posting all these um, the audio version the audio version of this uh, episode on spotify so find the nancovers podcast on spotify and uh, share it with your friends whoever is interested in the news whoever is interested in conversations for a better tomorrow and i want to wish wish everyone uh, adios amigos love yourself and if you don't please do peace out